um, fraud prevention division. But they, by that point, they'd gotten into everything. They had changed my account or my password for my account for my cell phone provider. They had done a number of other things, and we're not sure what the end game was for all of this. But if you're doing any kind of online banking, if you're doing any kind of purchases using a debit card, just be careful who you're talking to. Be careful what's going on. And I'm putting that out there as a just kind of a, a warning for everyone to watch out for. But with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start the message today um, with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, as always, for the opportunity to be here, for the company of our brothers and sisters in Christ, for the support that we receive through, the, through them and through you. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, and we ask that you be glorified through the message that's taking place today, and we ask that you be glorified through everything that takes place. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Okay, all of that... Uh, all of that aside, though, um, talking about the message, um, during the time when Nicole and I were getting ready to get married, we started sharing pe with people some of our plans, and one of the plans was is that we were going to have our honeymoon, we were going to take a trip out to San Francisco. And whenever I told someone this, anyone who was in the know about San Francisco had one piece of advice to give us. Stay out of the tenderloin. For those of you that don't know, the tenderloin is a um, rough area in San Francisco. It could be considered the same thing as some of the other rough areas that you might consider in, in other cities. But just like we do a lot of research in places that we plan on visiting, we tend to hear a lot about the places that we should avoid. And sometimes we don't pay attention to these places because we don't plan to go to them, so why should we think about them? But in this case, we should. You see, last week I was talking about the wonderful place that Jesus had gone to prepare for his people those that he gave his life for so that they could be with him. And sadly, that covers just a minority of everyone who's ever lived from the time of Adam and Eve all the way up to the last person that's going to live before Jesus comes back sometime in the future. So it means the sad majority is, or the sad truth is, that a majority of the earth's entire population ever will not be in heaven. But we were created to be eternal beings. We're going to live on somewhere, and God only has two directions. We either go to heaven or we go to hell. And today we're going to talk about hell and what some of the experiences would be. And this 
this isn't going to be a, a really nice message or anything. It's probably going to actually be kind of a, a downer of a message. It's not something that I really like to want to talk about, but it's something that I was led to uh, feel like when I was writing the message out for last week to address the other side of this too. But sadly, we talk about hell as something that's been sanitized or satirized. It's been joked about. People use it as a swear word. People joke about going there themselves. Sometimes jokingly, they tell their friends to go there. And some people even deny that it it exists. People have been desensitized to the subject for a long time. And the fact is, and I can't emphasize this enough, the Bible tells us that hell is a real place. It's a place that Jesus spoke of actually more than he spoke of, of heaven. And the Bible gives us several descriptions of it, and the descriptions indicate that it is a place that, by all means, should be avoided. The first thing that should be said is, and important to remember, is that it was not made for humans. Matthew 25:41 says that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never intended to be for us. But again, unfortunately, if we haven't chosen God and we've chosen to go against him, there's only one other direction to go. The word translated into Greek is Tartarus. But we're going to get into a description, just like we got into a description last week of what what heaven's going to look like. We want to kind of get an idea of what um, the other side of this coin is. And this verse also says that it is an eternal fire. Just a few chapters earlier, Jesus calls it an outer darkness. Revelation 14, 9 and 10 describes the environment as having fire and brimstone. And brimstone is synonymous with what we think of today as sulfur. Verse 11 tells us that, calls it the smoke of their torment. And finally, we're told in reading today out of Luke that there's a deep gulf surrounding it. That once you're there, once someone is there, no one can come out. Where does this darkness come from? One of the suggestions is this topic called blue lava which is also known as Api Biru and simply referred to as blue fire or sulfur fire. And this is a phenomenon that occurs when sulfur burns. And it's an uh, electric blue flame that has an illusory appearance of lava. Despite the name, the phenomenon is actually sulfuric fire that resembles the appearance of lava rather than actual lava from a volcanic Eruption. So that's why there's the darkness and not the um, light that you would imagine a fire giving off. 
Blue lava is an electric fire that burns when sulfur combusts, producing neon blue flames. Sulfur burns when it comes into contact with hot air that temperatures above 360 degrees Fahrenheit, 680 degrees Celsius, which produces the energetic flames. Actually, lava is red-orange in color, given its temperature. Truly, blue lava would require temperatures of at least 6,000 degrees or 10,830 degrees Fahrenheit, which is much higher than any of the temperatures that can be achieved on Earth. So that's kind of jumping into Revelation 2014, which speaks of the lake of fire. And let me get a quick reference in here that uh, the Bible sometimes speaks of hell or Gehenna as the valley of Hinnom and Hades. And all of these names are used interchangeably throughout Scripture. So what this is describing seems like it could be very similar to being inside of an active volcano, only a lot hotter. You could go on down a little deeper and the temperature of the Earth's core is only 5,200 to 9,000 degrees. So you're getting pretty close as you get closer to the Earth's core. But in speaking of this experience that um, the unsaved are going to have someday, we're going to look into some of the other things that um, a pers unsaved person would experience. And we'll start by looking with the rich man that was um, in the reading that Mike read today. It says that the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So now many of you at some point have burned yourself. You've either burnt yourself lifting a pot that was too hot off the stove, grabbing something, uh, many different ways you might have done it. And what do you do? Usually you drop the item and you pull away quickly. Well, the rich man was burning and he had a desire just for a drip of water to cool his tongue. A drip of water to this day and he has not received it. And he can't get away from it. He can't drop it and back off the way we would if we pick up a hot pot or a hot piece of silverware, or bite into some food that's too hot. Isaiah says that, For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto the flesh. So one, one can only speculate on the, the worms. It could be that they're tormented by worms, or that their limbs have been burned away to the point where there's nothing left but they're as much as a worm that can't die. But again, we are told that the fire cannot be quenched. In Matthew 13, 41, 42, Jesus says that the Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all that offend and them which do iniquity and cast them into the a furnace of fire. 
there can be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So we know that there's going to be torment. Hell's not going to be a place of rest in any way. And one of the things that always makes me cringe is when someone that you might know or you're pretty familiar with them and um, once they pass, you're pretty sure in your own mind, because we can't judge their relationship with Christ, but we're, they'll make the comment, people will, well, he's in a better place or she's in a better place. It kind of makes me cringe because sometimes if we know the person, we may know that they're probably not in a better place now. It's because there's going to be memories there. There's going to be memories of the times when someone reached out to the person with the gospel and the person refused to listen or openly mocked the gospel. I've seen it go on as we do church programs over Facebook. Years ago, we used to do them through the Access Channel, DATV. And one of the things that you would come across every once in a while is someone that's going to tune into the program or even some of the well-known evangelists and theologians now, somebody will tune in or go to their Facebook page to openly mock them for their beliefs. And when they're, if that person doesn't accept Jesus, when they're down there, they're going to have the painful memories of all these times that people have reached out. They're going to be able to see what's going on on the other side. Just like the rich man, they're going to desire nothing more than a drink of water. Every time they mock the gospel, they're going to remember it. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, and this is out of the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says, Dealing out full and complete vengeance to those who do not seek to know God and to those who ignore and refuse to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by choosing not to respond to him. These people will pay a penalty and endure the punishment of everlasting destruction, banishing them from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's one of the worst possible things that we, even the most hardened atheist today, has not been completely taken out of the presence of God. That happens at that point of transition if you've not accepted Jesus Christ. There's a song, and I'm sure probably most all of us have heard it by that point, a group called ACDC did a song called Highway to Hell. And one of the lines in this song is that all my friends will be there too. I'm glad I'm not his friend. But seriously... It's going to be a very lonely and dark place with no awareness of others being around you. It's not a party like some have said it would be, like it's depicted in this song. 
I'm sure when the rich man went there that he wasn't the only one there at that point. There were probably already millions of people there. He was not aware of any other person with him there. It was just him by himself that he was aware of. So who will be there? Well, actually, a lot of people. The estimation is that only in taking religious survey polls, two-thirds of the population professes to be Christian that's living today. Out of those ones that are living, some of them are, um, I forget what the term I used last week, hereditary Christians. They're, they say they're Christians because they grew up in a Christian family but haven't actually made the decision themselves. So that number at that point gets a lot smaller. As Jesus said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But Matthew 7.13 says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for, I just said that, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go in thereat. And then Isaiah and this is interesting. Isaiah 5, 13 and 14 says, Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. It's gotten bigger over time. It's enlarged itself. And she's opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. But who else? 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 tells us another group of people, other groups that are going to be there. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, that means they're going to go the other way. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21.8 says, But be fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So I, Revelation 20.15 sums all of this up. And so, so whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Such notables as the rich man who we heard about today... Judas, who Jesus said it would be better for him if he'd never been born. Satan and his angels, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and anyone who takes the beast's mark in Revelation will be there. Most, most likely, Pharaoh, Goliath, and bedbugs will be there too. You might be surprised. There's a lot of people out there, probably people who are good people, some pastors, church leaders, some of our friends and family, 
who are going to end up there because they got it wrong. They relied on the things that they did. They relied on their works, and they relied on trying to be good, as the Bible puts it. By that same token, there may be people who aren't there that will surprise us, and that's why we're told not to judge. People who we may think are horrible, I mean, think of the thief on the cross, Think of Zacchaeus. Think of Paul the Apostle. Barnabas didn't even want to go to Saul because of the horrible things that he'd done. It could be a school bully, a thief, a terrorist, or even a, a Satan worshiper today that relies totally and trusts totally on Jesus Christ at some point and they're going to be in heaven if they got it right, even in their dying breath as the thief on the cross. And realize that it's only through Jesus that we can avoid hell, just as the thief on the cross. He told the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Stephen Hawking said there is no heaven or afterlife for the broken down computers and that's a fairy tale for people afraid of the dark well he got one thing right there i am afraid of that darkness and that would be what awaited me had i not trusted jesus second peter 3 9 says that the lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is where we pick it up a little bit. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's a choice that we make when we choose not to accept God's perfect gift, the sacrifice that his one and only son, Jesus Christ, made for us on the cross. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. It's as easy as ABC to accept Jesus, to avoid going to this horrible place that I described today. A, you have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to realize that you've done things wrong, that you've been bad, that if put on a, one of those balance scales, that your righteousness could never outweigh the righteousness of Jesus. That's the standard we're going by. Jesus is the standard, and the only way to avoid hell is to admit that you're a sinner, and B, believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God that died on the cross for you and rose on the third day. He died for each and every one of us. It was not for a group of people if it was just one of us, if it was just you, Jesus would have still made that sacrifice in order for you to avoid this horrible place. Number three, we have to confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life. We can't be a, a secret agent Christian. We can't say, well, my relationship is personal. If you're married, if you've ever been married, how do you think your spouse would be if you kept your 
relationship with your spouse a secret. I don't think they would like that very well. We have to openly confess Jesus is our Lord and Savior of our life. We have to confess that we love him. We, that's not something that we keep a secret. Some people want to say things like, we don't want to hear that's, that's between you and God, or they want to say that's between me and God. Your marriage is between you and your spouse, but everyone else knows you're married. That's the way our relationship with God has to be. Therefore, it's up to each and every one of us to call on the name of the Lord. And there's the promise there in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Like I said last week, the choice is up to you. And if I could make that choice for you, I would. I would make the choice for you to not go there. But that's not my decision to make. That's your decision to make. That's between you and God. If there's anybody in here who hasn't made that decision, if there's anyone on Facebook who hasn't made that decision, if there's anybody listening to the podcast who hasn't made that decision, that choice is yours. And my hope is that you'll make the choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I may not know you now, but I would look forward to getting to know you one day in eternity. And with that, we're going to close in prayer. Father God, we thank you because you do give us a lot of information about this horrible place called hell. And you've also told us that it's not intended for us, but we only have those two choices. So Lord, we ask that you help us. Each and every one of us has friends. We have family members who right now they haven't accepted Jesus Christ. Give us that opening. Help us to have that platform to be able to share this message. Help us to Help them to avoid this horrible place. It's not something that should, a decision that should be made out of emotion or out of fear or anything like that. We ask that you would help them to make a well thought out decision to accept Jesus Christ and to have the seeds planted on fertile ground for the gospel to grow within their hearts. Lord, I want to lift up the, the prayers that were made earlier today, as well as the unspoken requests. I ask that you would guide each of us, guide us in our hearts and minds, and keep us open to your leading, and help us to glorify you in our words, thoughts, and deeds. And as always, I ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.